0: Good to see you. The title is "And Finally, And Finally." Now, when you hear those words "And Finally" from a speaker, sometimes you don't know exactly what they mean. Whether it means it's a, kind of be a short end, or whether it's going to be another chapter. And uh, sometimes in the Bible, uh, there's final is in some of the letters in the parts of the bible and it's another another whole chapter to come but this and finally is just a few verses right to the end of the letter so it really is an and finally but we'll look at that in a moment let's pray heavenly father we ask now that you'd speak to us by your holy spirit lord as we open up the word that he inspired teach us lord and challenge us and encourage us and help us lord as we each need and we pray for this in jesus name amen amen well, I also want to say thank you to Isaac and to Debbie and to Beth here and for Chris leading and helping our service. It's been fantastic. And uh, it's really lovely to uh, see you and be part of what we're doing. Uh, so please do continue to join us week by week in the services here. And it's great to continue to express our sense of togetherness in this way, which is not ideal, of course. We're lo- looking forward to meeting together, but uh, it's the best we can do at the moment. Uh, so it's great to, to, to do this. So the last few verses of Corinthians, uh, Paul, the apostle, the writer of this says, finally, finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. And that's the section we're going to focus on uh, this morning. Now, it's the end of the second letter that the apostle Paul has written to the church at Corinth. And in these few final words, Paul packs in weeks of teaching and we are going to spend weeks uh, looking at this. And we're going to look at these just few verses right at the end of this letter. Now, Paul is hoping to visit the church in person. He's been there in the past. He's hoping to, to go and visit the church in person. And this letter was partly to help the church with certain problems and issues it was experiencing. And in his prayer, he prays that those issues would be sorted through uh, this letter before he arrived actually at the church at Corinth. And as I say, it ends like this. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice strive for full restoration encourage one another be of one mind live in peace and the god of love and peace will be with you greet one another with a holy kiss all god's people here send their greetings may the grace of the lord jesus christ and the love of god and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all and uh, it's also interesting because um a number of you have asked about the grace we sometimes say may the grace of our lord jesus christ uh, at the end of a service and so we're going to study that and uh, see what that's about as well so now paul has said all that he needs to say in 13 whole chapters of his uh of his letter and so he, he's now coming to the kind of rounding off the goodbye and a, and a summary and it's a very power-packed summary. if and if we put into action what we find in just these few words we have the essence to living a useful and a victorious godly christian life so in these just a few words at the final part of this letter there's so much here and some of the things that the church was going through and that paul was trying to help them with were really tough really hard tough issues there were attitudes in some people that needed to dramatically change behavior as well some people were trying to spoil the church some people were coming in from outside and trying to infiltrate the church with false teachings that were confusing people. And it wasn't going to be easy. But nevertheless, Paul starts with these final words, rejoice, farewell, literally, uh, rejoice, rejoice. Now, in a sense, you could translate it as cheery buys. Now, sometimes people say cheery bye," And uh, in a sense, what Paul says in these, this word rejoice is like a, a cheery bye." He's on his kind of way as it were, finishing the letter, saying goodbye. But he says, cheery bye, rejoice, farewell, be happy in the Lord. And it's a cheerful parting blessing, cheery by, as we might say. But it's not just a suggestion, it's actually an instruction to be joyful, be joyful. I've written some hard things to you, it's going to be tough, uh, and I'm going to visit you, but be encouraged, follow these things through, rejoice, cheery by. Now, Near the end of this letter, Paul reminds the Corinthians that his strong teaching letter uh, is not written to bully them, but to help them to have joy. And uh, I might have said at the the end of the letter, it's actually at the beginning of the letter in chapter 1, verse 24. And This is what he writes. Not that we lord it over your faith, but we work with you for your joy. So all the tough things that Paul has written in his letter are for their joy. He wants them to be happy in the Lord. And we need to remember that Christian teaching, Christian preaching, reading our Bibles, learning to do what's right, obeying our parents, and even some of the things that we find really tough, the experiences that we go through are all part of us finding true joy in things that last and things that ultimately are to do with our relationship with God. With the leading of the Holy Spirit, Paul tells the Corinthian church, cheery boys, farewell, rejoice. And God made us to be joyful people. We thought about creation earlier on in the children's story that Debbie read to us. Why did God make people? Why did God put us on this planet? Well, He made us to be joyful people. And it's easy to forget that God is working in us and for us to become joyful people. Now, there's some verses in the Old Testament, you can see the references on the screen, to show us that God is, that's His desire. That's His purpose for us in 1 chronicles chapter 16 verse 10 it says there glory in his holy name let the hearts of those who seek the lord rejoice look to the lord in his strength seek his face always and then chapter 16 and verse 31 says let the heavens rejoice let the earth be glad let them say among the nations the lord reigns so there's instructions here and reminders to rejoice. God wants us to be a joyful people. Even the purpose of the Old Testament laws we see in Psalm 19 was not to make life unbearable and dull, but it was to help us to have joy. So Psalm 19 verse seven says, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. So we can see very clearly that God's desire for us is that we are joyful people. Now, in Paul's letter, he cites uh, many reasons why Christians, why God's people should be joyful, reasons to rejoice. And we're just going to pick three, okay? because there's not enough time to go through all of them. So the, the first reason is this. We are free from guilt, free from guilt and we're being transformed. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17, it says there, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Freedom from guilt, freedom from guilt trips, freedom from striving to earn favor with with a God who we, we fear with no sense of real hope and purpose. We are free from that. We can know God. We can know that we're forgiven. We can know that our guilt is gone. Verse 18 says, and we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So we're free and we're being transformed. And then another reason to rejoice. Glory is over the horizon. Chapter 4, verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though things are tough in many ways. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So glory is over the horizon, so we can be joyful because of what is to come. And then another reason to rejoice. There's many, as I say, we're only looking at three just now. The third reason I have picked this morning is Christ died for us. Christ died for us to save us, and we are new creations in Christ. It says in chapter five, verse 15, and he, Christ, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them, and was raised again. Verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. So we can rejoice because God so loved us, He sent His Son, Christ died for us, He's made us new. So reasons to rejoice that we can see in 2 Corinthians, as I said, lots of other reasons as well. Now, it is right to seek for joy. Sometimes we get the idea that as Christians that we, we shouldn't be. Journey seeking joy but it is actually right to seek for joy as long as we look in the right way and as we look to the right person in the old testament god's faithful people prayed for joy and they were determined to rejoice in the lord whatever their circumstances the three examples there and the references you can see on the screen psalm 85 6 will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you we can see it's right to seek for joy Psalm 97 verse 12, rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous and praise his holy name. We're instructed to rejoice in the Lord. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 18, the situation there that Habakkuk is in is difficult, is really rough and yet he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will be joyful in God my saviour. He's not joyful in in any circumstances but he's finding joy in his relationship with God. Now, the reality is that life in this world is tough, isn't it? And there are many distractions to lead us away from the true and lasting source of joy. And so the Bible is full of reminders to rejoice. There's a list there on the screen. I won't go through all the references. I'll just read the words out to you. Rejoice and be glad, Jesus says, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice and be glad. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, Paul writes in Romans, faithful in prayer. In 1 Thessalonians, rejoice always, we have the instruction there. And in Philippians 4 verse 4, the, probably one of the most famous instructions to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. And the person who wrote that, Paul, who also wrote Corinthians, the letter to the Corinthians, knew what suffering was, knew what difficulties were, knew what it was to go through hardships. And when we think about it, finding joy in our relationship with God is our reason to be. God created us to know him, to be joyful in a relationship with him. It's our reason to exist, to find our joy in God. And joy was meant to be our our natural and our normal state of being. That was how it was meant to be. So, question for us. Why is true and lasting joy hard to find? Why is it hard to find? let's go back to the beginning we went back to the beginning earlier with the children's talk creation and in the beginning there was God always God now God is Father Son and Holy Spirit so one God one being but three persons so there's always been the Trinity always being, always being the Godhead Father Son and Holy Spirit and this divine family shared and experienced eternal love and joy in each other's personhood so Joy and love started with God, and God is eternal. So when God created us in his image, he made us to share his love and his delight, primarily in a relationship with him. God made us spiritual beings to know him. And the extension of that, of course, is into human relationships. We were meant to love each other. We were meant to find joy in relationship with each other. Now, all human beings love joy. If you put your hand up and said, I don't want to be happy, I don't want joy i'd be very very surprised we we love to delight in things don't we we love to be happy we love to sing And this is how god made us god made us to be singing rejoicing happy people that is our natural normal state but the effect of sin is that we lost the relationship with god and we're now so prone to delight in damaging things and if not sinful things what we do is we find ourselves distracted by good things but to an obsessive amount, so much so that they exclude God from our lives. And that's really what an idol is. Things that sometimes can be legitimate, but we raise them to a point where they obscure God and that damages us even more. So our sinfulness has damaged our relationship with God, cut us off from God, we lose joy. And then we raise other things up to find joy that become idols to us. And they then can damage us if they're unhealthy for us, but they certainly can be idols that get in the way of of us getting back to a relationship with God. So in summary then, God made us to share his love and his joy. He made us to delight in him and sin damages and distorts things. And we lose our cheeriness. We lose our joy because of sin. Now, there are many circumstances and issues in life which damage joy. The restrictions due to the virus have damaged many people's joy and delight in life. And it also includes our own rebellion against God and our guilt because of our sin. So that's the situation, that's why joy is so hard to find. But the good news is this, that salvation brings joy. Salvation brings joy. Becoming a Christian reopens the way, reopens the door to us rejoicing and to begin a journey of discovery Of our joy in the Lord. When we become a Christian, our sins are forgiven through Jesus who paid them on on the cross. And so the big barrier to joy is dealt with. A relationship with God is established, and we have the sure hope of eternal life, which is eternal joy in God's presence ultimately. So salvation brings joy. What Jesus offers us brings joy, a joy that flows from loving the God who loves you, and a joy because of even more joy to come as we look forward to even better things. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, it's talking to Christians, the the apostle Peter writing to them, though you have not seen him, that's Jesus, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with, with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So salvation brings joy. The goal of mission, the goal of missionaries going into the world, sharing the gospel in Fernwood and Newark, ultimately is that there will be more and more people joyful, more and more people rejoicing in the glory and the love of God. The goal of mission is that people might sing, that people might praise, that people might be more joyful. Telling the whole world the gospel of Jesus will result in joy and gladness. And we see this in Psalm 67 and verse 3 to 5. And This is the prayer of the psalm. May the peoples praise you. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. Not just one nation, but the nations, plural, sing for joy for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you God. May all the peoples praise you. So the goal of a missionary, the goal of us reaching out to our friends and neighbors in Fernwood and wherever we live is that they might ultimately have more joy than they have now that they might have a reason to be thankful and praise now the gospel message itself though, is a difficult message to communicate because the good news that brings joy is tied up with telling people the bad news about what ultimately destroys joy and that's why telling people the message about Jesus is is tough it's a tough call the bad news is telling people about a problem that they're often unaware of you know people don't realize the danger they're in And so the gospel disturbs people, sometimes people who think that they have found it, whatever it is, or people who maybe at least on the surface appear to have found it. It it tells people about a problem that they maybe didn't realize that they had. And it seems to be taking away joy. It seems to be taking away some of the things that we relied on to get joy, even if they were damaging us. It's a bit like someone who's very happy where they live. And imagine you go up to their door and you tell them that their foundations are damaged and they need to get out. But there they are in their front room, enjoying life and uh, maybe watching a film and with their family. Everything seems fine and rosy, but they don't know the danger. You're the building expert, but they're very happy where they live. They they haven't yet seen the evidence. So it's going to take them a while to, to process all this. They can't imagine being happier than where they are. And the joy that you're offering them is through leaving their lovely home. It's through a disturbance to their lives and it's offering them faith in the plans for a home that they haven't seen yet. Whether it's that home rebuilt from the ground up or whether it's a brand new home, they haven't seen it yet. And so you're warning them about something that they can't understand at that point. So it's a tough call. And that's why the gospel is hard to communicate. And, We ultimately cannot convince people without the work of the Holy Spirit and that's why we need to do it prayerfully and lovingly but we must do our part because the stakes are very high and because there is a real and far greater and lasting joy that is available to people. One challenging thing about the gospel is that true joy comes through seeing the sad problem of sin. It comes through a very serious response, repentance and committed faith and engagement in a hard spiritual battle and that's what the apostle James is writing about in chapter 4 verse 8 of his letter he says to people who are complacent and, and getting lazy regards their relationship with God or maybe they're not even Christians yet and he challenges them says come near to God and he will come near to you wash your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded grieve and mourn and wail change your laughter to mourning and your joy to, glo- to gloom humble yourselves before the Lord and." He will lift you up. So the way to joy sometimes is through tears and repentance and recognizing a problem. So that's that's a hard call, but it's a reality in a sin spoiled world. And the fourth thing is this. Oh joy that seeketh me through pain. Now, some of you all know that I'm quoting from the hymn there. Oh joy that seeketh me through pain. In this world, our joy, even as Christians, is experienced through tears the hymn that verse says "O joy that seekest me through pain i cannot close my heart to thee i trace the rainbow through the rain and feel the promise is not vain that morn shall tearless be o joy that seeketh me through pain even the lord endured pain on the cross but with a greater the hope of greater joy to come in hebrews 12 verse 2 It tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus. He's led the way. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So Jesus endured the cross with the joy that was ahead. He went through the tears and the suffering of Gethsemane and the pain on the cross before the final and full experience of joy. And it's the same for us. We can experience experience joy in our Christian lives in the here and now, but it will still have tears with it. Though there are tears that we go through, the the best is yet to come. And that's what we can hold on to. Becoming a Christian opens up a relationship with God now. And it opens up for us a joy that is bound up with that relationship. And so we can experience joy in the here and now as well as a future hope to come. And the Holy Spirit begins a work in us to make us more like Jesus. And that, of course, includes joy. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, we can see there that the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and so even though we have, do have tears in this lifetime even though the best is yet to come and that is our great hope ahead we can experience a development of joy in our characters in our personalities it's a supernatural joy it's a joy that sometimes uh, is despite our circumstances like we read from the old testament when habakkuk says yet i will rejoice in the lord despite circumstances now let, let me be honest with you studying for this passage I felt rebuked and challenged at my lack of joy. And sometimes we can blame things on depression, a real illness that people have. Sometimes we can, we can find that we're not smiling because of pain or circumstances. Sometimes we have other things that distract us from joy. And I feel rebuked and challenged at my lack of joy. But to be more joyful is a great and an important goal, isn't it? And we'll only truly get there when we get there, but we're getting there. And we're not where we were, and that's the great thing. And God is at work in us, and that's an encouragement to us. And God loves us, and He, he he's not looking down on us as we struggle to know more joy. He he's, he's working for us to be more joyful, and he's sympathetic to the things that take us away from joy and, and damage our joy in our lives. The most important thing that we need to do to, to grow in joy is to do everything that we can to develop our relationship with Jesus. He's at work in us. But what we can do is do everything that we can to develop our relationship with the Lord. And we need determination and we need discipline to foster this. In one sense, we need to fight for joy. In one sense, when you think about it, many people (laughs) seek joy. Some people live totally, they work totally to find or to buy joy. And we might call them hedonists. People who, who live for joy, live for experiences, live for, for happy experiences and thrills and, and highs. We, we call them hedonists. And, and it's a natural thing for us to want to be joyful, as we said earlier. But of course, the human problem of sin means that amongst the places we, we look for joy, there are some very damaging things. And we tend to look anywhere apart from God, anywhere apart from what is, will bring true and lasting joy. So as Christian people, if we're a Christian here this morning, those of us who have a relationship with God, we know that our ultimate and our priority is to find joy in developing that relationship with God. Now, George Muller, who was a uh, famous to some anyway, if you've read about him, he's famous, but uh, if you are not yet find out about him, he's to be famous to you. But he's a, a wonderful Christian, a missionary supporter, came across uh, from uh, Eastern Europe, uh, lived in Bristol, started children's homes for many children, looking after many orphans uh, and children. And uh, he writes this regarding his relationship uh, with God. I just put a, a quote on the screen for you there, and I'll read from it. According to my judgment, the most important point to be attended is to this: above all things, to see see to it that your souls are happy in the Lord. It is of supreme and paramount importance that you should seek above all things to have your souls truly happy in God himself. Day by day, seek to make this the most important business of your life. This has been my firm and settled condition for the last five and 30 years. The secret of all true effectual service is joy in God, having experimental acquaintance and fellowship with God himself. So that's from George Muller's experience. And you know, the most uh, wonderful, The most useful, the most uh, people have blessed me so much in my Christian experience are people who spend time with God, and who, as a result of that, have a joy in the Lord that is uh, infectious and a joy which which spreads. And so uh, I bear out George Muller's words uh, from my own experience too. So finally, and finally, so um, we uh, had that at the beginning, and this is the final part of this message this morning. Is it really going to be a short finally or is it going to be a long finally? Preachers, you know what they're like. Well, hopefully it's going to be a short finally. But let's uh, concentrate for those last few minutes. Finally, we should be joy seekers. That's one of the sums up of this message this morning. But we should seek it in the right direction and in the right person. We should be joy seekers, but for the right reasons. And if our joy is truly in the Lord, we will not become hedonists we will not become self-centered people but if we seek our joy in the right person for the right reasons we will find that we will be more like god we will be more godly and we will be overflowing with gracious joy to others because that's what god is and who he is what he is like god created us as an overflow of his joy the relationship he had and the joy that he had in the relationship between the father the son and the holy spirit And if we find our joy in God and spend time with him, getting to know him better, making it our priority to be happy in the Lord, to be thankful to him and be grateful and to express that in in, in the way that we live, we will find that others are included in that joy and that we bless others, that other people will be enveloped in the blessing of that joyful relationship with God. Remember that God is one being, but three persons. And this means that love and joy originated in the Trinity. And so for us to have true and lasting joy, we need God. We need him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 27 says this, Splendor and majesty are before him, before God. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. So it's very clear that God is a joyful being and in his presence is joy. Charles Hodge uh, wrote many years ago, that joy is the atmosphere of heaven and the more we have have of it on earth the more heavenly we shall be in character and temper it's important to seek the joy of the lord now also in summing up christian joy will be through tears it will be through tears in fact christian joy is not joking or laughing all the time it's certainly not smiling all the time it's certainly not trivial christian joy Is involved in sharing each other's burdens, weeping tears with each other. It's seeing the world around us and seeing and being sad at the damage to other people's joy and seeing the tragedy of sin, seeing the tragedy of addiction, seeing the tragedy of all the things that, that damage people's lives. Christian joy doesn't pretend there are no problems. Christian joy often has a broken heart. The joy we experience, if you like, is like the sunshine breaking through the dark stormy clouds. There are clouds, but we see the brightness, we see the hope, we see the joy. It is like a taster of better things to come. Christian joy that we experience now is a a taster that gives us hope of better things to come. It's like the rainbow emerging after a downpour, reminding us that sunshine is on the way. So there will be tears. Christian joy is not blind optimism, it's realistic. But we can know joy and we're told, we're we're reminded to be joyful. So every day, every day, seek God in his words and in prayer. Every day, develop and foster your relationship with this joyful God. Every day, remember to be thankful for what the Lord has done. Don't forget what the Lord has done. Remember what he's doing. He's working in you. The fruit of the Spirit is working in you, working its way in you. He's working he's not left you and remember what god will do so be thankful for what the lord has done that christ died on the cross for you that in itself is a source of joy what he is doing now and what he will do and every day follow jesus you will make mistakes you will fall flat on your face you will at times not do what's right confess your faults but then be thankful for the forgiveness that you have in christ get up again be joyful in the lord that he's forgiven you and bring joy to others. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a joyful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we ask, dear Lord, that you would help us to know you better, to be more joyful in you. And Lord God, that that joy would be overflowing to others around us. Lord, forgive us for how we get so easily distracted how we seek joy in things that are idols or damaging to us. And we pray, Father, you'd help us to be reminded and remember, Lord, from this morning to rejoice in you and to seek our joy ultimately, primarily in you. Lord, help us, we pray. And for anyone, Lord, who is not yet a Christian listening, Lord, we pray that you'd help them to see that Jesus is the, the true joy bringer because he brings us forgiveness a new creation, a new start, when we trust in him. Lord, we pray for that dear person, whoever that might be, help them to trust in Jesus right now. And we pray these things in his name. Amen.